everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Steinman. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey toward career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fun week on Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. I hope I find all of you doing well and really enjoying your patient care and your team morale. And um, today's title is called The Polishing Quandary. And I titled it that because we're going to talk a lot about polishing teeth. I know this is something we are all very familiar with in hygiene. And I feel like there's a current debate over the concept. And honestly, as I really delved in and started reading and doing a lot of research for this podcast, I feel like I'm like, oh, gosh, I have to rethink this. So I guess the question comes down to to polish or not to polish. And I'll be honest with you, I have not come to a solid conclusion on this front yet. Um, but I'm going to present all of the information that I've kind of delved into, and I'll ask at the end for you to kind of join in on our Mighty Network, and let's have a conversation about this, because I'm, I'm curious, and obviously, I always want to do what's best for our patients. So to kick it off, I want to start a little bit, talk a little bit about where polishing got started and kind of what that's looked like. So through the history of tooth polishing, um, you know, it's been mentioned in Roman and Greek writings. Um, but it was only until Pierre Fouchard, who was the father of modern dentistry, introduced it for removal of dental stains with the use of, get this, finely ground coral, eggshells, ginger, or salt. And the technique and modalities for tooth polishing obviously have evolved over the years. Dr. Phones, the founder of Dental Hygiene, started training his auxiliaries to provide coronal tooth polishing in the last century. And it was observed that stains were not the etiologic factor for any destructive process, and hence removal of stains was for aesthetic, not for health reasons. Hence, polishing was then used as a selective process by Wilkins. Before the 1970s, patients expected polishing as a necessary part of the dental appointment. During the 1990s and 2000s, further evidence has supported the adoption of selective polishing. However, the concept of full mouth polishing is still used in many, if not most, dental hygiene practices. But worldwide, many dental hygiene schools now recommend selective polishing as a standard protocol instead of including polishing at every professional, professional maintenance appointment. This is a hard pill to swallow for this hygienist of 26 years as that has always been my standard protocol. And I prefer to polish pre-scaling to remove the biofilm and reduce scraping and scaling. Plus my patients always comment on the slick and clean feeling that they receive after polishing. So this is something that's very um, interesting for me to kind of conceptualize and adopt. Um, several terms are being used in relation to the practice of cleansing and polishing teeth. However, when oral health professionals use the word polishing, they're typically referring to the dual process known as cleaning and polishing. 
The American Dental Hygienist Association position is that polishing procedures sufficiently distinguishes between those closely related terms defining cleansing as the ability to remove debris and extraneous material from the teeth and polishing as the implementation of making the tooth surface smooth and lustrous. The American Academy of Periodontology defines tooth polishing in relation to oral prophylaxis as the removal of plaque, calculus, and stains from the exposed and unexposed surfaces of the teeth by scaling and polishing as a preventative measure for the control of local irritational factors. Other terms which we might use for polishing can be therapeutic polishing, which refers to the polishing of the root surfaces that are exposed during surgery to reduce endotoxin and microflora on the cementum. We may call it coronal or cosmetic polishing, which is defined as a procedure designed to make the tooth free of plaque and extrinsic stains. The process of achieving a smooth mirror-like enamel or material surface that reflects light is, a, is characterized as having a high luster, accomplished with a fine to extra fine grit abrasive agent so that the surface scratches are smaller than the wavelength of visible light. The term coronal polishing may also encompass cleansing. There's superficial polishing, which is a term related to the polishing of the crown of the tooth. And it is now considered as a cosmetic procedure with minimal therapeutic benefits. Lastly, there is selective polishing. It's another word often used by us hygienists, and it is used to indicate that clean, cleansing and polishing procedures are only provided when justified by the tooth surfaces that have visible stains after scaling and oral debridement is complete. Selective polishing is also known as extrinsic stain removal or selective stain removal. The most accurate term for all of these procedures is selective stain removal, which includes the removal of extrinsic stains after professional scaling using a rubber cup, bristle brush, and or an air power polishing system. Though everything depends on the assessed need of the patient. It means cleansing and polishing are omitted on surfaces already stain free. In other countries, tooth polishing used to be a standard, for part, a standard part of a dental cleaning appointment and I would argue still is for most in the United States. I'd love to hear from you on our Mighty Network community to see what your thoughts, protocols, and techniques are on this front. The dentist used to smooth teeth so that plaque and bacteria, which cause gingivitis, periodontitis, or cavities, do not stick to the tooth easily. However, it is now known that within 30 minutes, the bacteria recolonize on the tooth surface, irrespective of whether the teeth are polished or not. Also, polishing removes the outer layer of tooth enamel, which takes a period of three months to rebuild the fluoride-rich layer. Hence, selective polishing is recommended. Each patient should be assessed individually for polishing of teeth. Teeth are polished only if stains are present, which scaling was unable to remove. This means that during cleaning procedures, either some, all, or none of the teeth may be polished. Currently, the dentists and hygienists have verified opinions regarding, I'm sorry, options regarding the abrasive polishing agents and type of polishers used. They can now use different polishers and abrasives based on the patient's acceptance and condition, thereby providing good care by selectively designing the treatment according to the patient's need and with minimum concern about the loss of tooth structure. And I absolutely agree with that. I always say, you know, there's, there's, 
our patients, we can't use a cookie cutter approach. Every patient is different. Every patient needs different procedures, different evaluations to see what, they tr what their true needs are. So I agree with that statement. I wanna talk a little bit about some contraindications for using oral pro prophylaxis polishing paste. Um, because I feel like we, we are really shifting over to more air polishing techniques, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, but I wanted to just talk about contraindications for the polishing paste. Um, one being absence of extrinsic stains. Um, if there is acute gingival and periodontal infection, uh, aesthetic restorations, allergy to paste ingredients, obviously, if there are dental caries, if there's decalcification, if there's enamel hypoplasia or exposed dentin or cementum, if there's hypomineralization, newly erupted teeth, patients with respiratory problems, recession, tooth sensitivity, and xerostomia. So, you know, I think we all are aware and we've all had a wide variety of experiences with and we all have our own opinions about air polishing. Um, everything from those of us who love it because I'm one of those who's a big fan of it and I know a lot of hygienists who hate it. Um, patients feel very different, differently about it. I have the same thing where, you know, you got those patients that really love it and say, oh, are you gonna use, you know, that, that baking soda polish on me today? Um, versus, you know, oh, I don't like that. I'm very sensitive. You know, there's a lot of opinion on, on, on all the whole spectrum of options. Um, and obviously, you know, there's different results depending on the powders we use. Obviously, the expertise of the clinician providing the air polishing. And with the advent of air polishing devices designed for use with low abrasive powders, dental hygienists can obliterate supra and subgingival biofilm from enamel, exposed root surfaces, and restorative materials efficiently and comfortably. Air polishing devices with sodium bicarbonate powders are effective stain and biofilm removals on enamel and highly effective for biofilm removal in pits and fissures prior to sealant placement, but caution must be taken to avoid exposed root surfaces and most restorative materials, which really limits their use on periodontal maintenance patients. In fact, a study published in 2014 by the Journal of Periodontology concluded for exposed root surfaces, sodium bicarbonate cannot be recommended. It revealed that even five second exposure with air polishing devices using sodium bicarbonate powder showed considerable surface defects. So let's get into a little of what the types of air polishing powders are and what we need to know about that. So we just talked about some sodium bicarbonate, but other air polishing powders um, have been introduced as alternatives. Um, there's aluminum trihoxide, oh, bear with me, aluminum trihoxide powder, which is available for patients who cannot tolerate sodium bicarbonate but its larger particle size is harder than sodium bicarbonate. So while indicated for removal of heavy stain on enamel, aluminum trihydroxide powder can damage dentin, cementin, restorative material, and dental implants. Calcium carbonate is another option for supragingival use. The abrasive particles are small and spherical, but they may cause defects on root surfaces. Air polishing powder composed of bioactive calcium sodium phosphosilate material, which is also known as bioactive glass, may improve patient comfort and decrease sensitivity. The 50 micrometer particle, 
particles fracture into smaller pieces upon impact with the enamel or dentin surface. Bioactive glass powder, however, may remove healthy dentin at a higher rate than it removes carious dentin, and it can strip enamel at half the volume of a tungsten carbide burr. More research is needed to support the safety of bioactive glass powder in air polishing. The amount of abrasive in air polishing powders is an important consideration when using this technique. Many factors determine the amount of surface damage caused by an abrasive agent. Particle size and hardness affects the result, as do other variables that occur when the powder is applied in clinical practice. There was a study that found that when powder is a, const is a constant, time has the greatest influence on defect depth, though powder and water settings and distance were all factors. Distance from the surface and angulation of the spray can affect the size of the defect. This same research demonstrated that treatment time and air polishing device selection also impact the size of the defect due to differences in the focus of the spray. So I want to turn our attention to subgingival air polishing and powders designed specifically for that purpose. So everything I just mentioned was more for super gingival, you know, what we're doing on the coronal portion of the tooth. But subgingival air polishing has been around for years in other countries, and it's definitely made its way into the U.S., and it's kind of a newer thing for some of us. So I want to turn our attention to that front. So... Uh, powders that are designed for subgingival air polishing um, are obviously low abrasive. They are glycine and erythritol. And glycine is an amino acid powder, whereas erythritol is a natural sweetener powder. And unlike sodium bicarbonate, calcium carbonate, or aluminum trihydroxide powders traditionally used with air polishing devices for supergingival use, these can be used subgingivally. In terms of micron size, these supra-gingival powders are between 40 and 76 microns in size. And by comparison, glycine has a micron size of 20 to 25, and erythritol powder has a micron size of 14. So much smaller, much less abrasive, which is why they can be used subgingively. On the Mohs hardness scale, which obviously we know measures the hardness of various minerals, these super gingival powders are between 2.5 and 4, whereas glycine and erythritol powders rank 2 on the Mohs hardness scale. These differences in micron size and hardness translate into a broader use for air polishing, which enables safe use for the removal of biofilm above and below the gum line. A 2008 study concluded that air polishing with glycine powder in shallow pockets was safe, and a 2012 study confirmed air polishing with glycine powders was safe in deeper pockets. A 2014 study concluded that air polishing with erythritol powder is equally safe and can be used as an alternative to glycine. It should be noted that these studies were performed on supportive periodontal therapy patients that did not present with significant subgingival calculus, but rather supra and subgingival biofilm. So we, we know that not all air polishing devices support the use of low abrasive powders. You know, obviously, if we attempt to use these kind of powders in the inappropriate devices, we're going to see that plume of powder, you know, barrel out of, out of the tip and cover us and the patient. Um, it also, as we are very familiar with, may clog the device. Um, so before using low abrasive powders in your air polishing device, you always want to check with the manufacturer. 
So just, I'm gonna briefly touch on, um, you know, so there are a few air polishing devices that are currently designed for low abrasive powders. Um, the technology really is rapidly changing in this area. Um, but the two companies that have kind of a, the market on this right now are uh, Hugh Freedy and EMS and Acteon. And interestingly enough, I just said things are changing drastically. I was at the Hinman dental meeting um, earlier this year in March, and I actually went to the Hugh Freedy counter because I was I wanted some more information about this technology. And they said, actually, we've kind of disconnected ourselves from EMS. They've kind of got their own thing going now. It's all on them. But we are in the process of currently developing our own. It'll likely be probably 16 to 18 months before we hear something on that front. So a couple of com companies in the market, and obviously there are some more to come. Um, because air polishing devices can obliterate biofilm, but do not remove calculus, some clinicians dismiss their value for periodontal maintenance patients. The reality for most periodontal maintenance patients is that they present with isolated areas of calculus, but significant amounts of biofilm. And we, we know this. They have multiple exposed root surfaces and present with various restorative materials. This should give clinicians pause to consider which method of biofilm removal are the least abrasive for repeated instrumentation. Um, in 2007, there was a uh, study done. It was published in the Journal of Periodontology. Uh, there was an article by Fleming. And it reminds us that abrasion on two surfaces might become substantial over time when the cumulative effects of repeated instrumentation in supportive periodontal therapy are considered. This study referenced clinical results of complete biofilm removal in shallow subgingival pockets of supportive periodontal patients with glycine powder air polishing to curettes and ultrasonic instrumentation. So GPAP, that's the glycine powder air polishing, has added the benefit of significantly greater efficiency and greater patient comfort for biofilm removal. Subsequent data published have collaborated these benefits of the GPAP used for five seconds per site to remove biofilm in deep pockets compared to an average of 64 seconds with hand curettes. So let me just break that down. They're saying that you could be in a pocket, in a sulcus for a minute and four seconds and you would achieve the same result as being subgingival with an air polisher for five seconds. Interesting. This data supported GPAP for five seconds per site compared to an average of 30 seconds with ultrasonics to remove biofilm on periodontal maintenance patients with deep pockets. For patients being seen on a frequent interval, the goal should be removal of as much of the biofilm as possible, as comfortably as possible, as efficiently as possible, and obviously as safely as possible. Obviously to preserve two structure and adjacent tissues without any deleterious effects. Low abrasive powders and air polishing devices accomplish these goals. Another consideration for air polishing with low abrasive powders includes effective biofilm removal for patients with implants. The International Journal of Evidence-Based Dental Hygiene recently concluded that for patients presenting with peri-implant disease, a therapeutic intervention, starting with simple non-surgical modalities, i.e. air polishing, should be initiated as soon as possible. 
It is interesting to note that this conclusion was based on a systematic review of studies that used glycine powder air polishing for biofilm removal around implants for mucositis and peri-implantitis. And this all made me really curious. So I started to dig in and I found a couple of interesting studies that have been published recently. So um, there was one in BMC Oral Health that came out in 2020. And the title of the study was Adjunctive Air Polishing with Erythritol in Non-Surgical Periodontal Therapy. And it was a randomized clinical trial. And it compared standard subgingival instrumentation versus standard subgingival instrumentation with adjunctive subgingival air polishing. And the results were that in both groups, the clinical variables, the, the probing depth, the attachment level, and the bleeding on probing significantly improved both three and six months after treatment. The number of sites with probing depths greater than five millimeters was significantly lower in the test group than in the control group after six months. After and at six months versus baseline, there were significant reductions in TF and TD counts, which sounds awesome to me. The conclusion was subgingival instrumentation with adjunctive urethritol air polishing powder does not reduce bleeding on probing, but it may add beneficial effects like reducing the probing depths measured as number of residual periodontal pockets with probing depths greater than five millimeters when compared with subgingival instrumentation only. There was a second study done that was published in Clinical Oral Implants Research in July of last year, 2021. And the title of the study was Urethritol Air Polishing in the Non-Surgical Treatment of Peri-Implantitis, a Randomized Controlled Trial. The conclusion of that study was that urethritol air polishing seems as effective as piezoelectric ultrasonic scaling in the non-surgical treatment of perioimplantitis in terms of clinical, radiographical, and microbiological parameters. However, neither of the proposed therapies effectively resolved perioimplantitis. Hence, the majority of patients required further surgical treatment. So interesting, in that particular study, there was not a big difference seen when it came to treating peri-implantitis. Another study was uh, published in the International Journal of Dental Hygiene. This was in August of 2021. And the title of the study was Clinical Outcomes of Using Erythritol Powder by Means of Air Polishing with Ultrasonic Debridement in the Treatment of Initial Periodontal Pockets in Hand of Dental Students. This was interesting. It was a split mouth, randomized, comparative, controlled study. And it concluded that the study generally revealed no significant differences in clinical outcomes between two groups for gingivitis and stage one periodontitis treatment. However, um, the patients had higher preference and less time consuming when they use the air polishing versus just using instrumentation. So, you know, it seems like the studies are still, still out, still working. They're not seeing super significant findings yet. And we know that subgingival air polishing does not remove hard deposits like calculus, and we still need to use our ultrasonics. So, you know, Sharisa, you're telling me all this information. Why would I consider making this shift? And honestly, I think there's two reasons. I think one is to me, the uh, less abrasivity makes a whole lot more sense. You know, we're causing less long-term damage to the teeth. 
Um, but I think the greatest benefit of air polishing with low abrasive powders during periodontal maintenance or preventative treatment is, is the fact that it saves time. And we know that is one of the biggest issues we are constantly struggling with. You use these devices and powders first during the clinical protocols with patients rather than at the end of the appointment. In addition to being a time saver, the result is a more comfortable experience for patients. Obviously, that's a big goal of ours when using low abrasive air polishing powders first. These are interesting benefits. Patients adapt easily to this shift in protocol when they're informed that their visit will begin rather than end with polishing their teeth. This is in order to more comfortably and efficiently remove the plaque biofilm from surfaces prior to removal of hard deposits. Another aspect that I think is, makes a whole lot of sense, and there was a great article that came out in um, 2013 in Dimensions of Dental Hygiene. And you know, as we know, bacterial species are also very prevalent on the buccal and labial mucosa, the floor of the mouth, the soft palate and tongue. And uh, in this particular article, Fleming found that subgingival uh, glycine powder air polishing helped to reduce the bacterial load on the oral mucosa and tongue. So this technique is safe enough and gentle enough to use on the soft tissues. Um, and it helps reduce the bacterial load. Um, and in this particular study, one group received subgingival um, CPAP in moderate to deep pockets, as well as conventional air polishing on the oral mucosa and tongue. The control group was treated with scaling and root planing with manual instruments, followed by coronal polishing with a rubber cup and polishing paste. The results showed the group that received the air polishing had significantly lower bacterial counts in the moderate to deep pockets at baseline, as well as 10 days post-treatment. At 90 days, the test group had significantly lower PG counts in the oral cavity. There were no adverse events and comfort levels were rated high in the air polishing group. So that one is very interesting to me that, you know, you had one study, you know, had one control group that was doing your scaling and root planing with your coronal polishing with paste. And then the other group was doing your scaling and root planing with the subgingival air polishing with the glycine powder. And it seemed that at 90 days, there was lower PG counts. And that's a big, big deal to me, to all of us, it should be, because we know how prevalent PG is in systemic disease and what a driver and what a gateway pathogen that is. So that, that was uh, pretty interesting to me. Um, and, you know, as we talked about, this, this glycine and erythritol is also safe for use on root surfaces at implants, which we know so many of our perio maintenance patients have. So arguably, it seems like air polishing with low abrasive powders allows for more thorough cleaning of the oral cavity. So... If you guys are like me, this is a lot to think about here. I feel like the hamster wheel in my head is spinning, um, and especially in light of all we are learning and understanding about the importance of healthy biofilm and maintaining healthy homeostasis. Um, on that front, it really does make me lean towards selective polishing. And also wonder if salivary testing doesn't fit into this department as well, meaning if we are salivary testing all of our patients and we're finding, you know, those patients that truly are preventative patients that don't have those active pathogens present, then does it make sense to do selective polishing and not disrupt that really healthy, good biofilm they've got going on? So definitely food for thought. 
Um, and honestly, like I said, I really want to know what you guys' thoughts are on this. I'd love to hear from you, um, especially those of you that are using subgingival air polishing. Uh, we actually just got um, the, one of the EMS systems in one of our locations where we do a lot of um, hybrid dentistry all on fours and such um, to, to be able to clean around and under those more effectively. So I haven't gotten my hands on that yet, but I'm dying to. So for those of you who have those, please, please, please. And honestly, for all of you listening, if you have not yet joined the Mighty Network, please do so. It's a free app. You just download, download on your phone search Bulletproof Hygiene inside the app and join our group. It's, it's, it's all free to join. It's just a really great community. Um, I'm going to post a, a question this week to see what you guys are using. Please, everybody chime in. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, are you doing subgingival air polishing? Do you prefer the glycine or the erythritol? Have you seen, you know, what's different about those for you? What benefits are you seeing? Which delivery method are you using? Which machines? Um, are you selective polishing or are you still polishing all of your patients? So many questions, um, but this is why I love our Mighty Network community. This is what Bulletproof Hygiene is for, so that we can all contribute, we can all lean on each other and um, learn from each other's experiences. So I know this was a short one today. Uh, hopefully it will stimulate you to kind of dive in and do some research on your own. Um, and again, chime in, let's figure this out together because obviously we want to be in this for the best care of our patients long-term. So I hope this was helpful. I hope this got you thinking and got you curious. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.